For those of you that were here last week, we got some good news, didn't we? As we read through this passage in Peter and, and, and learned about the, the long-suffering of God, of His of the extent that he was willing to go in order to rescue us. And we read this passage, and, and if you've got your Bibles, uh, turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. We're actually going to be going into chapter 4 today, but I just wanted to remind you a little bit of what we heard last week, of what Peter wrote um, to us and 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 keep in mind this is going back to uh, that earlier um, passage here in Peter where he says that we are to be uh, prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks for the reason for the hope that is in you this is the reason for the hope that is in us and we can see that there clearly in verse 18 of chapter 3 where Peter writes, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that He might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. That is the good news of Jesus Christ. That is the, the gospel of our salvation in Him, is that He suffered in the flesh in order to pay the price for our sins. It was our sins that kept us separated from God. Because of our rebellion, because we turned our back on God and said we wanted to go our own way, there was this uh, uncrossable chasm that we could never build a bridge across. No matter how good we would try to be, no matter how honorable our attentions might have been, no matter how often we would go to church or, or how much money we would stuff into the bag, there was nothing that we could do to get across to have that relationship with God once again. It could only be crossed by God Himself. By His sacrifice of His Son on the cross, for our behalf, His blood washing away our sin and justifying us before the Father so that He could then bring us into the presence of God. And once again, that relationship with God which, which we were created for is restored, is made new. And we can stand in His presence unashamed. We stand in His presence blameless, pure, without sin, clothed in His very own righteousness. That is good news. That is a reason for hope that we can live in. But it doesn't stop there. 
Peter goes on in chapter 4 to build on that, that not only is there a, a gospel, a good news about our justification, our position before God so that we are no longer his enemies, but we are his friends, that we are able to enter into his presence and stand blameless in his righteousness. There is that positional salvation that our, our standing with God has changed. But the good news of the gospel is goes further than that. And there is a practical salvation, a practical gospel that Peter tells us about here in the first few verses of chapter 4. Let's read it together. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, and you remember what it talked about, his suffering was dying on the cross for our behalf. So since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, Arm yourself with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. So as to live for the rest of time in the flesh no longer for for human passions, but for the will of God. The time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in the sensuality and passions and drunkenness and orgies and drinking parties and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery and they they malign you. But they will give an account to Him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is why the gospel was preached even to those who are dead. That though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the Spirit the way that God does. Chapter 3, the end of chapter 3 is the gospel of justification. The beginning of chapter 4 is the gospel of sanctification. That God no longer, it doesn't just rescue us from our sins, from the blame of our past sins, but He is also empowering us and leading us and transforming our hearts so that sin no longer has power over us. You heard what what, what Peter wrote here. Arm yourselves with that same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh, whoever has been crucified with Christ, whoever has died, their old nature has been nailed to the cross with Christ Jesus, whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. One of the translations that I was looking at this week that I liked said, whoever has suffered in the flesh is finished with sin. No longer has power over you. For those that are still walking in their sin nature, for those that are still separated from God, that have not responded to the good news of Jesus Christ, they, were, they are captives to sin. They are trapped in their, in their own way of trying to find their, muddle their way, their way through life. But for those who are in Christ Jesus, 
who have put their trust in His sacrifice on their behalf to make them right with God. They are new creations. The old is past. Behold, all things are made new. It reminds me of that passage in Romans. And I'm going to invite you to turn over to Romans chapter 6. If you've got your Bibles, I want you to read this. You can see the words. You can hear the promise. Romans chapter 6, verse 3. Romans 6 and starting at verse 3. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? We were buried therefore with Him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united with Him in a death like His, we shall certainly be united with Him in a resurrection like His. We know that our old self was crucified with Him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with Him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over Him. For the death He died, He died to sin once for all. But the life He lives, He lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Jesus Christ. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies to make you obey their passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. And here's the great hope. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law, but under grace. Sin no longer holds us captive. Sin no longer forces us to follow after its passions and fleshly delights. We can live as God created us to and intended us to. We can live for God, for His righteousness. We have been set free. So then tell me, 
why do I still sin? This is great news. This is exciting stuff to hear that I don't have to follow after those old patterns in my life any longer. That I've been set free and sin no longer holds me captive. So why do I still get angry? Why do I still get frustrated so easily? Why do my, my lusts get sucked in by pornography and, and, and racy uh, jokes and all the rest of that kind of stuff? Why, why do I find myself struggling with addictions to, to food, to, uh, to acceptance, uh, uh, to, uh, to, uh, to things that will change my, my, my mindset, my alter my, my mind, whether it's alcohol or drugs or, 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 or even things like gambling or, or my addictions and my desire to be accepted by other people. And, and I see myself compromising my morals just so that I can get acceptance from other people. Why do I still feel the weight of of guilt and shame over my past sins? That that depresses me and and discourages me and Satan keeps on using those things to to trip me up. to, To whisper in my ear, how could God ever love you when you did that? Peter gives us the answer to those questions. He says that that we should arm ourselves with the same way of thinking as Jesus, who died to sin. And the problem is, is that I keep on giving power to sin. I keep on forgetting that, I, that, that that sin no longer has control over me, that I am set free from those chains that have bound me so long in my life, that Christ has set me free. I need to remember that I am crucified with Christ. And yet I live, but not I that lives, but Christ lives in me. That's another great verse. Let's turn over to Galatians chapter 2. We can't miss that promise. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Here is the promise of Christ. Here is the promise of sanctification, the good news of Jesus Christ. His resurrection from the dead. Verse 20 of Galatians chapter 2. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith. Faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. 
the freedom that we can experience over that sin, over that guilt and shame, over those things that, that still try and trip us up, is the fact that Jesus walks with us every moment of the day. And He is there to give us that freedom from sin. Because too often I try and take on those sins on my own. I've read all of the books that, that give me all the self-helps and the strategies of how to overcome those temptations. I've, I've lived long enough, surely, that I have a little bit of discipline that I can avoid those temptations and those things that would get in the way. And I keep on trying to overcome those sins and that guilt and shame in my own strength. When what Jesus says is, remember that you have been crucified. That you are dead to sin. That sin is finished. It ceases to have any power over you. And the way that we experience victory and overcoming is by trusting in Jesus. Looking to Him to guide us through that temptation. Looking to Him to give us freedom from that guilt and shame that we carry with us. That's the gospel of sanctification. And it starts in our mind. What we think. Peter says, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking that you are dead to sin, that your sin nature has been crucified with Christ, and you are finished with sin. So you look to Christ for that hope. I love rock climbing. And I'm a little bit jealous of my son right now. Because he gets to do stuff like this. My eldest son, Josh. <laughs> That's good. That's a good problem to have. He's in Colorado right now with a, a group, a, a Bible school, and he's out climbing rocks having these spectacular views in Colorado. So he's doing stuff like this, where he gets to climb up these beautiful little escarpments and to have this challenge between you and the rock. It's, it's a wonderful thing. Over the years, I've had lots of opportunity of teaching other people of, of how to rock climb. One of the things that I have found over the years is that for, for newcomers, for those that are starting off, um, the biggest challenge that they have is trusting in their equipment. You get them started and you've got them in the harness, you've got them on the rope, and the rope is all anchored securely to a rock or to a tree or something. It's not going to go anywhere. It's, it's all strong enough to be able to lift a small car and he got them all hooked up and they start climbing and they're focusing on trying to find the right hand holds, the right foot holds, and they get themselves up a little bit higher and then they look down and see this. And they freeze. And their brain tells them, you are going to fall and die. And they hang on. 
and they're, they're frozen there and they forget to breathe and their legs start doing this sewing machine jiggle and their fingers are slipping a little bit and they're trying desperately to hold on. And I'm down there saying, just take a break, relax, breathe, you're okay. You're not going to fall. I've got the rope. The rope is going to hold you. But it's so high. It's okay. And I try and reassure, reassure them. Just sit down. Trust in the harness. No, they're going to cling to this rock face and try and take over because they don't want to trust in all of that safety equipment that is there to keep them off the ground. They're instead going to trust into their little fingertips and their little toe tips to be able to hold themselves on there until eventually they just let go. And they rest in that harness. And everything holds them. And it's like, what was I so scared of? Look, I don't go anywhere. All of this is in place to keep me safe. That's what happens in my life. I get going. I get climbing and feeling good about what I'm accomplishing. And then I look down. Satan whispers in my ear the sins of my past. He knows the buttons that he can press that will get me focused off of Christ and onto things that I like, the things that I want to do. And instead of trusting in all of this equipment, trusting in the, the, the Savior who died for me, the Almighty God who is infinitely, all of His infinite attention is on me in this very moment and has everything that I need in order to overcome this sin, this temptation in my life. I forget all about that and I try and do it on my own. I try and stand up against the temptation on my own. When all I have to do is remember, arm my thinking, that I am dead to sin. This sin has no power over me because of what Christ has done and rest in His completed work. That's the gospel of sanctification. That's what Jesus wants to do for you. It's not your inner strength. It's not your mind over matter. It's not anything that you can bring to the table that is going to set you free. It is arming yourself with the truth that if you are in Jesus... You're finished with sin. No longer has power over you. And all you need to do is focus your attention on Him and rest in everything that He provides. Have victory to be a testimony. To share with others the light of His love and His salvation. Let's pray.
songs ringing through my head. Thank you, oh my Father, for giving us your Son and leaving your Spirit till the work in us is done. Thank you that we can rest. Thank you that we can know the truth of being crucified with Christ. That we have been set free from the bonds of sin. All of those things that seem so powerful, that seem so impossible for me to overcome. You have already conquered. You have already defeated. Help me to remember to rest in your completed work. To focus my attention on you. To allow your spirit to guide my steps through all of the, the minefields, all of the tripwires, all of the other things that are, are in there to, to try and mess me up. And I can just trust and follow one step at a time. Continue to look back to you. I am dead to sin. Jesus lives. I want to give you an opportunity to respond. Perhaps the Holy Spirit is speaking to you right now and saying, you realize that you've never come to that place of putting your trust in Jesus. You never took that first positional salvation and grabbed a hold of what Jesus has done for you and are trusting in His sacrifice to pay the price for your sin. I invite you just in the quiet of this moment to say, in the peace of your heart, Jesus, I trust in you. I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I have rebelled against you and tried to make my own way. I'm done with that. I trust in you alone. Thank you for washing away my sin, for paying the penalty for my transgressions, and for clothing me in your own righteousness so that I can stand before God holy, pure, without blame, without any accusation. From this moment forward, I walk in the power of your new life, the transformation of my heart, knowing that sin no longer has hold on me. I can walk and rest in your completed salvation, your sanctification. If you've prayed that, or if maybe you have questions about all of that, would you come talk to me? Talk with somebody else that's here that you know. Don't leave here today without 
making your life right with God, of, of responding to His grace that He extends to you.